Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. joining in with us right now from all over Tampa Bay, all around the world, really. And I know that everybody at at all of our locations who have been hosting the services have already done it, but we want to take this moment to welcome our first-time guests as well. So Radiant Church, can you welcome our first-time guests? Let's make them feel loved and welcome today. Hey, if it's your first time with us, we're so glad that you're here. And I know that God has something special in store for you. It's 4th of July, guys. We're, we're here. You guys could have been anywhere, but you're at church. And so I believe that God's going to do something special here. So let's go ahead and have our seats. And I have a lot. If you know me very well, you know I love to talk. and I got a lot to get into. And so I'm excited to do this today. And I want to give a shout out to a special group of people with us today as well. Not just our first time guests, but our incredible production team here at the South Tampa. Because, yeah, let's give it up for him because they had the the incredible task of lowering the cameras about nine inches uh, from Pastor Aaron's preset kind of height so that I could fit on the screen. If not, you were going to get me from the the neck up. So good job, guys. And we're glad that you uh, are here doing what you do. So um, and while we're at it and and speaking of Pastor Aaron, and I just want to take a moment to honor him, give honor where honor is due because I may be a little biased, but I think that we have one of the the best lead pastors in all of the country. And so can we give an honor, Pastor Aaron and Katie? We're so thankful for you guys and glad that you get a little bit of time away. I know that they're watching right now, so we're so glad that you guys are getting that time to refresh and recharge together. And so uh, I'm excited to be up here with you today. If you don't know me, you heard Pastor Aaron introduce me in the video. My name is Ryan Jennings, and I oversee all of our global missions and local outreach here at the church. And um, this is the, the first time I've been able to be up here and speak with you since back in December. Uh, when Pastor Aaron and I shared a message together uh, called Nightmare Before Christmas. Real uplifting stuff right there. Um, But today is not going to be that. That's where we talked a little bit about how life got a little bit crazy there for me a little while, but God was doing this like redeeming and restoring work. And if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go back. But I promise you that today is going to be a lot more life-giving, a lot more uplifting. And so I promise we'll laugh and have some good times together today. But As an update to that last message of the nightmare before Christmas, and speaking of God doing this redeeming and restoring work in my life, um, I have an update for you on that. And if you don't follow me on social media, which you should, at RyanJ49, um, and you you, uh, maybe haven't heard yet, but uh, just over two months ago, got married. So you can see right here, yeah. So Kirsten is um, incredible, Kirsten Phillips, because she hasn't taken the time to get her name changed yet. So uh, we're working through it, you know, the newlywed stuff. But, um, you know, we'll we'll blame COVID for the process being slow. But one day she'll be Jennings. But, you know, Kirsten Phillips is doing great. And, um, no, God is really good and um, has delivered. Let's take the picture. I'm going to get distracted if we leave that picture up there too long. So we got stuff to do. But 
God has been so good in, in, in giving me Kirsten, and, um, and just in that, God is just so faithful. I don't know if we realize that or not. God is so faithful, and in this idea of God doing this redeeming and restoring work in my life, it really has led me to the position that I'm in now, which is uh, my favorite thing I've ever done, and not, not just at the church, but just in life, and um, if you've been around Radiant for a while, you know, I've been here for seven years. I've done a lot of different positions here at Radiant. But really, oh, getting over to see our missions and outreaches is, is my favorite thing that I've got to do. But what I've realized over the last little while of overseeing missions and outreach as a church is that we as a church have not done a great job of really sharing the vision of what we do when it comes to missions and outreach. Why we do it, what are the opportunities for you to get involved. So that's my goal today is to, sh- to teach a little bit, to share some vision share what we're already doing as a church, but at the same time also present some opportunities for you to get involved in these areas. And so um, I've entitled today's message, if, you, if you're taking notes, you got them when you came in, or maybe you're taking notes on the app, you can go ahead and write this down. If you're not taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down or put it in your phone. That today's message title is Change the Map. Change the Map. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but Florida is home to several invasive species, meaning that like they're not native to this area, but over time, they've made their way in and they've become an issue for us here in the Florida area. Take, for instance, the Burmese python. Um, it's this guy right here. And these things are native to Southeast Asia. And you know they, they really weren't introduced to America, especially South Florida, until really the early 90s when people began to have them as pets, but realized that these things get really big And when they were too big to take care of anymore, people just started releasing them into the wild. I didn't know that that was something that you could just do, just like let pets go. But people started to do that. And the first Burmese python wasn't uh, wasn't seen in the wild until the mid-90s, around 95, was the first one that they saw in the wild. Since then, because of our great weather and really not having any natural predators, These things have grown and escalated to where experts now believe that there is somewhere between 30 and 300,000 Burmese pythons in the Everglades, South Florida area, which makes me never want to go south of Tampa ever again. The fact that they can't even accurately guess that they had to give you 30,000 to 300,000, we think, makes me not want to go down there because they they have no idea. And these things, they... um, they feed like on endangered birds and their eggs and other like small frogs and other snakes. They, they've caused a havoc in the ecosystem. These things that weren't really an issue 30 years ago have now just crept up on us to where now we're like, all right, we got to do something about this. But not just on land, also in our waters surrounding Florida, there's an issue with these things called lionfish. I don't know if you guys have ever seen these. They're native to the South Pacific and they're really not sure how they made their way into our waters in the Atlantic, in the Gulf of Mexico. What they, what they say happened was uh, when Hurricane Andrew went through Miami in 1992, that there was an aquarium near the shore that it was destroyed, and that's how these guys got in the water. They think people could have released them that maybe had them as pets, but whatever the case is, they really didn't find their way to us until the early 90s. And once again, having no natural predators, our warm waters surrounding Florida, and the fact that they carry up to 2 million eggs per year, these guys have thrived over the last 30 years to where now in certain parts of the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean surrounding Florida, they think that there's upwards of 1,000 lionfish per acre of water. 
And that's an issue because these guys are ferocious hunters, especially on the coral reefs where they go and they feed on smaller fish. And our ecosystem has begun to become majorly impacted because these guys who weren't around 30 years ago, but were introduced, have become such a big issue where now we see the impact of their issue and we say, we have to do something about it. But I want you to know there's a bigger issue than pythons and lionfish that's facing Florida, especially that's facing the Tampa Bay area. And it's what I want to focus on today because I, I want you to know that more than, more than those animals, there's a, a problem here in Tampa that if we didn't know, if we didn't take a, a minute in today's message to look at this, you may have never known it was an issue, but it is, and we need to do something about it. But before that, let's, let's talk about what it is. And it really what we're looking at here is the religious state of the Tampa Bay area. And this is based on the 2010 census. There's a couple of facts in here that I want to share with you guys so based on the 2010 census, it said that only 34%, 34.7% of the Tampa Bay residents identified as regular churchgoers. That means, and, and out of those, maybe they identified, but maybe they actually weren't, but let's just believe that they were. That means that, that two out of every three people in the Tampa Bay area don't go to church anywhere. Compare that to Las Vegas, which has 35.7%. So the city that is known as Sin City has more regular churchgoers than the Tampa Bay area. And that, that number right there, 347 that's all of Hillsborough, all of Pinellas County. Out, there's 51 major metropolitan cities that have a million people or more in them. And Tampa ranks 50th out of 51. Only uh, Portland, Oregon has a lower percentage of regular churchgoers. You see, when I read these, these numbers, I see these statistics, it makes me sad for the Tampa Bay area. But you know what, it, what else it does? It gets me fired up. Because now that I know the issue, I know that something needs to be done about it. And I'm not going to get out and do anything. I'm not going to be out affecting change if I don't know what needs to be changed. And when we look at, okay, how do we respond? Now we know what the issue is. How do we respond to it? I think that we should go back to a model of the church that we see in the early church in Acts chapter 2. Because as we look in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, we see this. And this is speaking of the early church. It said that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of, of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those that were being saved. Do you notice the three things that they did there? There's three things that the early church did that I want us to do as a church. And we do two of them really great. The first one that you see there, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and it says that they met in the temple courts daily. They were great about Sunday services. And you know what? We do that really well here at Radiant Church. You know, we have great worship. We have great preaching. We have all the stuff to have people come in and experience great teaching and great worship experiences. They did that. But you see, they didn't just do that. It said they also devoted themselves to fellowship, to the breaking of bread in, the, in their homes. Eating, eating is just biblical. I don't care what anybody says, e eating carbs, especially e breaking bread. And oh man, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to eat guys. So, um, but we, we see that. So they, they devote themselves to that. So they got outside of their Sunday morning services and they went out and they were doing small groups. 
I mean, we love our radiant groups here because it's an opportunity for us to, as, as the church as a whole to break into the smaller groups where we really get to experience life change together. And we do that in, in, in groups. And that's great. But they, they went one step further. They did their, their services. They did their groups. But what's the other thing that they did? It says that they sold their property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. And, and, and what they did was they didn't just focus on themselves. They didn't just focus on, hey, let's do these things together. Let's do our services. Let's do our small groups. And man, we're going to do great things. No, they, they began to think outside of themselves and look out and see that there's needs all around us. And if we can do something about it, this is they sold their possessions and gave to anyone who had need. And what was the result? The result was the Lord added to their number daily. Because guess what? People can't be saved if all we do is focus on ourselves. We need to get outside of thinking about ourselves and begin thinking about the people that are around us, which is why I want to place this major emphasis today on number one in your notes, this idea of local outreach. And I want you to know that as a church, we're already doing this well. Like we're already making an impact in our community. And because of your generosity, we've been able to partner with some great organizations in the Tampa Bay area, like Feeding Tampa Bay, which you've heard us talk about in the past, and Metropolitan Ministries. Florida 127, which is what we do our Fostering Together initiative with. But we've also been able to look out and say, what are the needs in our area? We know that human trafficking is a big thing in the Tampa Bay area. So we've partnered with an organization like Sale of Freedom that goes in and helps rescue these women and bring them into safe houses where they can receive Christian counseling and go back, get on this road to recovery, to moving past these things that have happened to them. You see, we've looked out and we've seen that need. We've been able to partner with New Life Solutions, which is a pro-life organization. And whether you know it or not, because of your generosity and being here at Radiant Church, you're already making impacts throughout the Tampa Bay area. But there's so much more to be done. Because right now, like, the church is doing that <clears throat> as a whole, but, but there's something that, that I think that we can do. And, and we need to learn how to get outside of ourselves, outside of our comfort zones, and learn how to serve the people around us. And we say, okay, well, what does that look like? Well, we only need to look to the example of Jesus, which it says in Matthew 20, 28, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. If anybody deserved to just come to earth and have everything done for them, it was Jesus. But Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve everybody else. And when we look at one of the greatest examples of Jesus doing this, we find it in John chapter 13, where we see the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And this is his last time spending a meal with his disciples. And normally if they would have gone to a meal, there would have been a servant that as they would have entered would have washed their feet for them. But since it was just Jesus and his disciples, the servant wasn't there. So Jesus recognized there's a need here. And before I wait for these disciples to step up and do something about it, I'm going to show them an example. So he gets up from his place and he goes and he washes his disciples' feet. And look at what it says in John chapter 13, starting in verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. He said, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you that no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, I have, uh, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Do you want to, you want to, uh, for us as a church to be known as? Is, for us as a church, I don't want to be a church that just says that we love people. Like, I, I don't want to be a church that just says that we love Tampa. I want to be a church that shows Tampa that we love them. And there's a big difference between intent and action. There's a big difference between saying something and actually doing something. 
And when Jesus here, when he went to show his love to his disciples, he didn't just do it by telling them. And Jesus taught a lot through lectures, but you'll see in your notes that Jesus didn't show his love through a lecture. He showed it by taking the role of a servant. And did you know that in the Bible, there are seven different Greek words that are used for the, for the term servant. But the one I want to focus on here, and the one that Jesus is focusing on here is this word diakonos. And I get it. There's going to be somebody who knows Greek better than me that's going to say, you said that wrong. I get it. I'm trying my best up here, all right? But this idea of diakonos when it comes to serving, which is where we get the modern word in the church deacon, but what it really would have been translated as is waiter at a meal, a waiter at a meal. And we've all had good waiter experiences, and we've probably also had really bad waiter experiences. Like we know what makes a good waiter and what makes a bad waiter. And there's different level of expectation when we go to different places. Like there's an expectation. When I go to Oxford, Oxford Exchange for breakfast, like I have an expectation. And I have an expectation when I go to Waffle House of the service I'm going to get. Amen? Like, and don't get me wrong. I'll go to Waffle House immediately after this service and crush an all-star special, which might happen. I don't know. We'll see. But. We, we, we know that there's a difference when it comes to serving because that what makes a good waiter versus a bad waiter? A good waiter, when they come to my table, when, when I first get there, man, they're going to be so happy to be there. Hey, we're so, I'm so happy you're here. My name's Ryan. I'm here to serve you today. Whereas you've had the opposite where it's like, hey, what do you want? Like, we want food. I guess we can do that. Like, like, we've had that, right? We've had people where you could just tell, like, they did not want to be there. They were forced to be there. They were doing it just for the money. But as, this, as you go throughout the meal, what makes a good waiter? Man, a good waiter is when my, my water or my coffee starts to get low, and I start to think, like, man, I could really use a refill. That person's already there refilling my coffee, refilling my water. Instead of the opposite of where I start to run low on something, and I look around, I'm like, where is this person? Like, I haven't seen them for 20 minutes. Like, I've been waiting for just for a refill of water for 20 minutes. And we, we begin to get frustrated because we have a need that needs to be met, but there's nobody there to meet it. So what if we could have this mentality when it comes to serving our city? This diakonos kind of thing where we look out to our city and we say, what are the needs of our community? And before they ever come and ask us for that help, which they probably won't, what if we could see the need and just be out and meeting it? What if we can be that, that example of Jesus where it's like, okay, there's a need right there. Like we said, when it comes to sex trafficking, when it comes to the homeless population, when it comes to the drug addiction problem, what if we could be the church that sees it and doesn't be like, I, somebody will probably take care of that. But no, we step out of our comfort zone and we say, I see a need and I'm going to go and do something about it. I want us to be that church. And we have a great example for you coming up this next Saturday of how you can practically show the love of Jesus to your city. And that's annual serve day. And we have, a, we have a serve project for you. At all of our locations, there are projects all over. And man, there are family-friendly projects, indoor, outdoor, no matter what it is. You can go on there, find a project that fits you, but be a part of next week. Because I believe that in one day, Hundreds, if not more than a thousand people from Radiant Church, all out serving on one day. Think of the impact we can have in our city. Think of how we can help change the map, how we can help change people's, not right now, but their eternity by just by simply being out and showing the love of Jesus to people. So I would love to have you be a part of annual Serve Day. Sign up, download the Serve Day app, find Radiant Church. Make sure it's the Radiant Church in Tampa, not Kalamazoo, Michigan, because you'll be, it's a long road trip to go for Serve Day, all right? Sign up for a project, man, we'd love to have you be a part of next weekend, but guess what? You don't have to wait until July 10th to begin showing the love of Jesus to people because on the way out today at every location, you're going to get one of these cards right here. 
And we've called them a random act of kindness card. And what this is, is as you go throughout your day, even today, as you leave service, as you leave today, you have this card and you can go out and you can do something for somebody else. You can see that there is a need and you can meet it, but you can do it very intentionally in the name of Jesus. So whether you're in line at a coffee shop or at McDonald's, because I know some of you are going to leave here and go to McDonald's and that's okay. There's no judgment here. But, or, or maybe you have a neighbor that you, that you haven't really connected with that you can take some baked goods. Whatever it is, you, you see a need out there, you go and meet that need, but you give them this card, which says something extra because God loves you and so do we. And think of the impact that we could have just from these simple acts of generosity. As we go throughout this week, as we go into annual serve day next week, I believe that God is going to do incredible things throughout Tampa Bay because we as a church are not going to just be the ones that sit back, that we're inwardly focused here, but we're going to be the church that is outside of the walls and making an impact throughout Tampa Bay. Can we go ahead and give God praise right now for what he's about to do? Because we as a church are expectant for God to make a move that we're going to see the map change throughout Tampa Bay as we be the church that is out and making that impact. But I believe that we, starting here is important, but I also believe that we need to recognize that the need for reaching people for Jesus goes far beyond the Tampa Bay area, which is why I want to place an emphasis on the second thing here, and it's number two in your notes, which is global missions. And reaching the world for Jesus isn't something new. Like before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave his disciples one last instruction that we, is, we know as the Great Commission and it goes like this in Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the end of the age. You see, the early church, when they heard this, they knew this is something that we must do. We must go out. We must reach all the nations for, for Jesus and, and share them these things and baptize them. They understood that. But today in church, we've taken the great commission to really become something that is more of a great suggestion. We say things like, man, that's great for people who are called to be missionaries, but I'm, I'm just not called. And we forget that the great commission just called us. We, we say like, it's great for some people. It's just not for me. But I want you to know that the words of Jesus, this commission that Jesus gives us is hard to escape from. Because look at the definition of the word commission. It is an instruction, command, or duty given to a person or a group of people. You see, this isn't meant to guilt or shame anybody, but it's to let us know that we have been called. You're waiting for a call from Jesus. Guess what? It, you've already received it 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them and teaching them the things that I have taught you. So we've already been given that commission. And Hudson Taylor said it this way, that the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. So as a church, we've, we've done this. We, we've, since the beginning of Radiant, have made missions one of the primary things that we do as a church. And when we look at how we do missions as a church, I want you to know we focus on a very specific part of the world when we look at where do we put our time and energy and resources, our finances. Where do we go? We go to this area of the world called the 1040 window. Now, we'll go outside of the 1040 window. We'll send teams outside of the 1040 window. But when you look at where we're going to put the majority of our focus, it's in this part of the world. It's 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north. And it runs from North Africa, the Middle East, all the way throughout Asia. And there's a reason why we're in this part of the world. And there's some stats I want you to see about the 1040 window. So as for why is this Radiance vision when it comes to missions? The 1040 window is known as the resistant belt. The majority of the world's Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists live in this part of our world. 
In the 1040 window, there's 5.22 billion people who live there. That's nearly two-thirds of the world's population that lives in one-third of the world's landmass. Out of those 5.22 billion people, 3.16 billion people are considered unreached, which means that there are no believing Christians and inadequate numbers and resources to evangelize them without outside help. So if we believe the Bible, and we do, we, then that means that if the world ended today, that 3.16 billion people would spend eternity apart from Jesus. We have work to do. That we have to get out and change the map because it's unacceptable for us to think that there's 3 billion people who have never had the word, the gospel message of Jesus preached to them. It's also the least Christian resource investment, least sharing of the Christian, Christian message. It's also the home of the majority's world, of the world's poor. Eight out of every 10 people live on less than a few hundred dollars per person per year. So we as a church, this is where we put our effort. And we have missionaries all throughout uh, the 1040 window in Thailand, in Sri Lanka, in the Middle East, and Northern Africa there. But we also have a guy who I am honored that we have with us today. So I'm going to invite Pierce Davis up to the stage. Can you give it up for Pierce, who is one of our radiant global missionaries? And because of your generosity, we support Pierce. And so I'm so happy to have you with us today. So Pierce, I just told them who you are, but kind of introduce your family and where are you guys currently serving? Yeah, so my wife and I, Megan, uh, we have two little boys, Elliot and Summit, and we serve as church planners in the Buddhist world where we've been living in the Himalayas for the last year. Yeah, yeah, and, you, and you've been doing uh, missions for a while now, so why don't you share with the church kind of what's your background, what were you doing before missions, and what has that missions journey kind of been like? Yeah, I, I love missions. It's kind of the only thing that's ever made sense for my life, and it's interesting because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in this trailer park in Dalton, Georgia, uh, to parents who got divorced when I was three years old. My mom remarried five different times before I turned 15. There was physical abuse, drug and alcohol addiction that just completely ripped my family apart. Uh, my dad just lived a couple miles down the road and I would go years without seeing him. Even to this day, I've only seen him once in 15 years. But I always say that my mom did one thing right. There was this church in our small little town that had a ministry uh, that would send a school bus through our trailer park where every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, my mom would force me onto that bus so that she could have a free babysitter and go party. And it was that church that changed my yeah. life. It was yeah. that church that set me on the trajectory to where I am now. So fast forward a few years, I convinced this, uh, my wife over here to travel halfway around the world with me and our kids have been born and raised in Asia, so. Yeah, and they miss it. Yeah, they, we miss it. They, they come back, they eat American food and they wanna go back and eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you've been doing missions for 12 years. So kind of tell us, uh, I, I know you didn't start in the 1040 window, but you went there. So share with us, what has it been like in that shift in the 1040 window? Yeah. And we just talked about the, the issues and the need in the 1040. Kind, yeah. kind of talk about that with us. Yeah, so we actually started out our career in Latin America and we were there for about a year and a half. And one day I picked up this book that was talking about the needs of the 1040 window. And it started talking about a statistic of where missionaries are at in the world. World. And the book said that for every 1 million Christians in a country, we have 189 missionaries there working with them. But for every 1 million Muslim, Buddhist, and Hindu, we only have four missionaries in those regions. And so after praying for a season, my wife and I, we transitioned over to the Buddhist world, and we've been living in Thailand for the last seven years. Uh, but about a year and a half ago, God put this tiny little country in the Himalayan mountains on our hearts. This is a country that is resistant towards the gospel. Um, in fact, to get a tourist visa into this country, they charge $250 a day just for your visa to be in the country. They limit TV and internet. They just got all of that in the last few years. So when you talk Elvis Presley, 
especially Star Wars, they have no idea what you're talking about, much less a man named Jesus. And so my family and I, we went there for one month. It cost $25,000 for us to be in this country for one month. But we believe that the church must be planted no matter the financial cost. Amen. And so... While we were in that country, I was talking to our government chaperone tour guide who's required to be with us at all times, and we're walking into various temples, and we walk into this temple, and I see an idol that I'd never seen before. And so I look at Namge, who's devout Buddhist, grew up in this country, and I go, Namge, I've never seen this idol before. Who is he? And he looks at me and he goes, I don't know. I've never seen him before either. But what I thought was interesting is I then watched Namge go up to the foot of the idol. And he begins to circumvent the idol, bowing before it every third step. And he begins to light the incense and ring the bells and do all the different forms of of worship. And one of the last things he does is he comes up to the foot of the altar and he begins to pray as he pulls out his wallet and leaves money at the foot of this idol. Well, when we were leaving the temple, I look at Namge and I go, Namge, if you have no idea who this idol is, then why do you pray for him? Or why do you pray to him? And he looks at me and I'll never forget it. He goes, I don't know. It was the only thing that I was ever taught to do. But I go, Namge, you have no idea who this is. How do you even know what to pray for? He goes, well, I always pray for three things. I pray one, for wealth and fame. Two, that my family and I will be healthy. And the third thing I pray for is that all the animals will come back as humans. And again, I go, but Namge, why do you pray those three things specifically? And again, he looks at me and he goes, I don't know. It's the only thing that I was ever taught to do. And it was in that moment that I knew the answers to the question I was asking him. I know why he goes into that temple. I know why he prays those three things. It's because his country is resistant towards the gospel. It's because his church does not even have a a location in his local language. He's never met a Christian, and he's never had an understanding of who Jesus Christ is. And that's when God put it on our hearts to move to this country and put the church planting team there that's going to plant the first church in their local language. That's incredible. And the story of Namage is probably one of many stories that you've experienced throughout your time in missions and especially yeah. in the 1040 window. But I know throughout your time there, there has to be a, like a big win, a big life change kind of story. Yeah. So could you share with us maybe just one story? Yeah, we've seen God do some incredible things. When we were living in Thailand, we worked as church planners. And I was, remember I was at a Thai school uh, one day and I was doing this English camp. And the thing you have to understand about Thai schools is Buddhism is a state religion. So this Thai school was attached to a Buddhist monastery. So it's still practiced on a daily basis. And so I'm sitting there doing this English camp. And at the end of it, I just felt compelled to share about what this man named Jesus had done in my life. What I didn't know is there's a 13-year-old girl in the audience that day who ends up responding. She started coming to the church that we were working at. And over the next few months, she gave her heart to Christ and began to become discipled and just growing in her faith. Well, after a few months of serving God, she goes back to school one day and her teacher goes, okay, students, I want you to clear your desk because now's the time that we're going to worship and meditate to Buddha. And so this 13-year-old girl, her name's May, little May, she slips up her hand and she goes, teacher, I'm so sorry, but I can't worship Buddha anymore because I'm a Christian. And so the teacher was upset with her, so she wanted to embarrass her. So she tells May, okay, May, get up out of your seat, come and stand in front of the entire class, and you tell them why you're too good to worship Buddha now. So little May gets up the courage to stand in front of her class, and she looks at her teacher, and she goes, teacher, I'm so sorry, but I can't worship Buddha anymore because Jesus Christ lives inside of me because he changed me and he died for me. And she starts preaching the gospel to the point where the teacher sits back down at her desk, just begins to listen in amazement at all the things May is saying. And then little May turns her attention to the class and she goes, okay, how many of you want to receive Christ? You raise your hand right now because I'm going to pray for you and you're going to receive Christ. And May said that about 13 of those students raised their hand that day to receive Christ. And I'm sitting in church. I'm sitting in church the following Sunday, and I see May open the door to that church, and about 10 of those classmates are right behind her, all getting discipled in the faith. And the coolest part 
is, uh, as a church planner, she tripled the size of our attendance that day, so it was incredible. <laughs> Amen. What an incredible story. And so um, we're so thankful for you as a missionary and to be a partner with you. So if you could leave Radiant with one thing before you go, what, what's one thing that you would leave us with? I want to say thank you for being the church. Because I know next week you guys have an opportunity to be a church to a kid like me that could one day be a missionary because of what you guys are going to do through Serve Day and Outreach. The greatest thing you can do is be God's church in the Tampa Bay general area and to go on these trips and to keep giving to missions because I believe that together through your partnership, we're going to plant the church in the Himalayas. So thank you. Hey, come on. Let's give it up for Pierce Davis. We're so thankful for you. Best mustache in the missions game today, I promise you. But if you heard Pierce's story closely, if you listen closely, you, you understand that there was no special training, no special qualifications that Pierce had. What, what he simply did was just make himself available to what God wanted to do for his life. And I think the same goes for us because we believe the Bible. Look at what it says in Romans 10. This is the verse that when I was in high school and started doing missions with my youth group when I was in high school, this is the verse that made me love missions, that made me want to keep going and keep going out and keep reaching people. Because look at what it says in Romans 10. It says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one who they do, have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they, someone preach unless they are sent? For as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So if you've been waiting to be, be sent, if you've been waiting for an opportunity to go out and do these things, well, I have great news for you because you're going to have the opportunity to do just that starting again in 2022 right here at Radiant Church. Check out this video. right we are back in 2022 with taking trips again and I am so excited because we as a church the most trips we've ever done is I think five trips in one year so we've made a bold faith-filled decision that we're gonna do more trips than we've ever done and next year we're gonna have 11 opportunities for you to go and do just what we've been talking about to go out and share the love of Jesus with people who desperately need to hear it and you saw some of the places that were in the video there. We're going to some cool places, Nicaragua and Colombia and Greece and Sri Lanka. But you have the, play, the opportunity to go to these incredible places in the name of Jesus, to do the work that's far greater than just going on vacation somewhere. You have the opportunity to make an eternal impact in people's lives. So if you want to find out how you can be on one of these trips, more information about when they are, how much they cost, all that kind of stuff, join us in two weeks and when we have our missions interest meeting. You can find all the information about that on the website under the events tab. We'd love to have you join us and be a part of one of these trips next year. But with any of these things that we talked about today, whether it's annual serve day, sharing these random act of kindness cards with people, 
whether it's going on one of these trips, I want you to know that you don't have to have your life together to begin stepping into the lives of other people. All it takes, and there's no special qualifications, there's no special training that we're gonna give you, all it takes is making yourselves available to the call of God on your life. It takes us making ourselves available to the, uh, to the idea that, man, we have things to change here in Tampa Bay and around the world, that we have to change the map together and we have to make ourselves available to the fact that we are God's chosen instrument of how that change is gonna be brought about. That as we go and we get outside of our comfort zone, we get outside of the four walls of the church, as we get outside of our small groups and stuff like that, that as we make ourselves available, that God could use you to, to make an impact in the world around us. So I want us to be that church. I want us to be a church that is available to whatever God would call us to do. That we're not gonna limit ourselves because of our past, because of the, the limitations that we think we have. No, 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 God has given you something special to share with somebody else. That there's no special thing. All you have to do, just show practical. Meet the need, see the need, and meet the need as a church. So we're gonna stand to our feet, and we're gonna sing this one more time. We're gonna sing about making ourselves available, that God is calling us, and now that we maybe didn't recognize before, but now that we recognize that God is calling us, what are we going to do? Are we gonna be the church that hears the call and doesn't respond? Or is we as a church gonna say, God, I hear you and here I am. I make myself available to whatever you would have me to do. So as we sing this out, this is a declaration for us as a church, but it's a declaration for you as you sing it. Let's sing it one more time together. having everything figured out. It just takes us going out and make ourselves available and being used by God. And when we talk about dealing with people when it comes to church, there's a phrase that we use a lot of time where we, we say that hurt people hurt people. But I believe that as believers that the opposite is true as well. Because I believe that, that those of us who have been healed because of Jesus, that I believe that healed people can heal people. I believe that those of us who have been forgiven, that we can go out and that we can forgive others. I believe that those of us who have been, have been loved, who have experienced the true love that can only come from Jesus, I believe that loved people can love people, and I believe that accepted people can accept people. But I also believe that there are people here today, and maybe you've never experienced any of those things, that you've really never exp experienced healing or acceptance or love or definitely not forgiveness. You think that all the things that you've done in your past have disqualified you from a relationship with God? Well, I want you to know that there's good news today. Because the Bible says that for the wages of sin is death, which is bad news, but it goes on to say, but the free gift of God is eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that today, that you can experience all those things, healing, love, acceptance, and forgiveness by making a simple yet significant decision to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. There's no magical thing that you have to do. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you can be saved. So right now, we're gonna give you the opportunity to do just that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you here today, 
you've never made yourself, you've never made your heart and your life available to Jesus, I want you to know right now, you have the opportunity to do just that, to experience healing and forgiveness and acceptance from the inside out. So if that's you here today, and you're ready to make your life available, your eternity available to Jesus, when I count to three, I just want you to simply raise your hand, wave it at me and put it right back down. One, two, three. That's you here today, you ready to, I see you right here, yeah. I see you over there, I see you over there in the corner, yeah. I see you over against the wall, I see you in the back. Hands up all over, all over here in South Tampa. Online, I believe there are people making decisions right now. People making themselves available to Jesus for the very first time. If you're one of those people that just raised your hand, I want you to just say a prayer, something like this. Say, say, dear Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you that even, I, even though I've done all these things in my past, that you still love me. And Father, today I make myself available to you for the very first time. Father, I receive your love. I receive your acceptance. I receive your healing. And Lord, I receive your forgiveness today. Thank you for sending your son for me. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, hey, can we get it for the people who just made decisions all across South Tampa, all online, our locations. Incredible day today. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com. 